Truth News Network. Fake news, circular logic, disinformation, outright lies. What do you do when the truth goes underground? Well, here, let me get that door for you. Welcome to TNN, the Truth News Network. And your host is Dan Newman. Guarantee you there's one thing that we all can agree on right now is like never before, truth is getting buried. It's going underground. It is underground. And every day we find out more and more that is really scary. Let me tell you what, folks. I don't I don't understand it all. I really don't. But what I do know is things are not as they have seemed to be for a long time. And I don't think we got to this place just all of a sudden. I think this slippery slope that many of us have thought we might be on, I think we're way past just getting on the slippery slope. We've been sliding downhill for a number of years, and it was disguised. It was kept from us. We didn't even know where we were headed. Well, thank God, and literally, I mean, thank God that our eyes are being opened, and we are seeing for the first time in ways that I never thought we would see We're seeing the truth, and the truth is stark, and in many cases, folks, it's not positive, but you know what? We're going to be okay. We're going to get through all of this together, and there is a bunch of all of this going on. I think everybody will agree with that. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to TNN Live. Welcome back to a normal week. This is and will be a normal week at TNN Live. I'm back in the saddle, and um, we're waiting for a few of our other members that join us every day to log in before I give you uh, the skinny on what's really been happening with yours truly. Let me just say this. I'm on top of the heap right now. I'm feeling really well. Um, I did have some problems, physical problems, that started, I guess, just uh, a week, maybe a week and a day ago. And for those of you that know, we were, if you're regulars, we took the show on the road to Nashville, Tennessee last Monday and Tuesday. It was Marianne and mine's 47th wedding anniversary, and we celebrated with our nephew, Des Duran, who opened the show, Frankly, Des, in Nashville, that was a screaming success. It is. And it's running for three months about. Uh, James Posey, it's good to be back with you. One of our regulars, longtime friend of ours, he just sent me a text saying, good to hear your voice. Well, it's good to be heard. And uh, so somewhere in that Nashville thing, and I don't want to blame it on any city because I love Nashville, but I got sick. I lost, pretty much I lost my pipes. And for those of you that were here the back half of the week, you witnessed some of that. And uh, I went feverish no fever, appetite, no appetite, couldn't couldn't even speak a sentence without coughing my guts up. And I must admit, I'm a tough guy health-wise. Um, I don't get sick really often, but folks, I went down. And here we go. Let me confess. I took a test and I have COVID-19. Now, I had some of the symptoms, but uh, for those around me that I've I've known for a long time and I have been through COVID with them, Marianne is a prime example, I had none of those symptoms where, you know, you get that horrible taste or you can't taste anything. I had none of that. I just had what I've 
normally get every couple of years because of a lung condition, I thought I had a case of right-on-the-borderline pneumonia. But it was more than that. And I'm still kind of weaving around the, the roadblocks to get out of that. But I'm feeling way, 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 way better. And I'm on the road to recovery. I'm way down the road to recovery. Thank God I believe in healing. I believe in James 5 in the Bible. If there be any sick among you, let them call for the brothers and sisters and pray for them. And they'll be healed. And I've, I've uh, reached out to all my fellow Christians on this show and also in my church. And they've been praying for me. You've been praying for me. And God answers prayer. I believe that. I really do. I believe it. I've seen it happen again and again. So why couldn't it happen to me, right? Well, guess what's been going on while I've been away or been here maybe a little bit every now and then? All kinds of stuff. That doesn't surprise us, does it? i got some very special things I want to talk to you about this morning. Um, I did come back a couple of times and weigh in on TNN Live as long as I could on, I guess, on uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And um, I just gave you some tidbits about some things going on. But folks, if we, if we pause for just a few minutes this Monday morning and we look at the world around us, it's not looking very good. I guess maybe the one good thing that is overarching about all these things we're seeing, the horrors that have happened over the last 10 days or so up in Canada, where our brothers in uh, freedom, um, they just got pounded, literally pounded by totalitarian Justin Trudeau, the prime minister there. Canada, on his watch, folks, is not anything close to what it was on his father's watch who was the prime minister before Justin, Pierre Trudeau. Justin Trudeau is a little Hitler, and he's treating his people just like he is a little Hitler. And guess where he says he's getting his ideas from and his input from regarding his new type of governing his people? He's getting it straight from the White House, getting it straight from Joe Biden. Now, let me tell you, folks, This is not something that is just floating around in the wind out there. This is at ground level. And this proves a lot of what you and I have suspected for some time. Way back even during the eight years of Barack and Joe running our nation. Very little about this government, this administration is about we the people. It's about we the government. And you plebes down there have no rights. How dare you look at us and point your fingers and say we're not doing the job right. You don't have the authority to do that. We are the elected ones. I guess they are. They told us they were. We didn't see all of the numbers. And we didn't get any proof that the numbers from the 2020 election were the real numbers that we the people cast across this nation, did we? And don't you dare ask for them. Because then, ah, you're just a a signerone of the big lie theory. That in itself ought to make you question everything about this government. We've got a new element that we're going to start on our show today. You may not hear it every day, but you're going to hear it most days. And uh, it's called First, First Thoughts. First Thoughts. Our first thoughts of every day. And, um... I just had a break in sound, and I can't tell if it's if I went off the air 
if there's something going on behind the scenes, but I'm just going to keep on talking, and uh, we'll see what whoever tells us. Are we having a problem? Are you hearing me? Somebody send me a text real quick and tell me if uh, if we're okay, because I'm not hearing through my headphones what I normally hear. Nevertheless, first thoughts is going to be a regular uh, piece that we're going to have on this show, and it gives me, I'm okay, thank you. Uh, it gives me uh, the ability to share my thoughts in kind of a structured format. Um, of course, all I do here is share my thoughts on everything. But uh, what we're going to do, these are pointed, specific things that we're going to touch on. I, I, you know, uh, Laura Ingram's got, I, I can't think of what the title of her thing is. Sean Hannity's got it. Others do too. But it just gives them an opportunity to put bookends around a little segment kind of an editorial, and rather than call it editorial, that's what it's going to be. So here's what we're going to do. i got to figure this headphone thing out. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, first thoughts for the first time right here on TNN Live. Back in a bit. I'm Papa John, pizza maker. The quality of every ingredient is important to me. Like the sweet, juicy pineapple and pulled ham hock that refreshes a pizza classic. Introducing our new Premium Hawaiian, another Papa John's original. Like all our pizzas, it comes with Papa's quality guarantee. Try something new with a third off your order. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a flying date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And my computer career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy, and I'm teaming up with Turtle Wax this summer to make sure your rides are clean, shiny, protected, and even disinfected. Because whether you're hitting the streets or heading out on the highway to the beach, Turtle Wax will make sure your vehicle is looking, smelling, and feeling amazing. Turtle Wax is the only brand that I trust with my fleet of supercars. And y'all know how many cars I keep in my garage, right? Check out TurtleWax.com to learn more and be sure to buy now at TurtleWax.com or anywhere you shop for car care. In the clown car of the deep state, you will never find a greater den of scum and villainy. You need a hero. Here again, blaster in hand, is Dan Newman. You need a hero. And here I am with uh, blaster in hand. I think we got our arms around what the uh, what the sound problem was. It was on my microphone. It wasn't plugged up correctly from way back when we were gone for last week. Ah, just you know, little bitty, little bitty, uh, little bitty things that happen bad. Just throw a 
a little wrench into things, right? So how about this? Dan Newman, First Thoughts. That sounds a little too calm for me, don't you think? Dan Newman, First Thoughts. <laughs> okay, First Thoughts here today. Let me, let me point something out to you that you've heard and I've heard for a long time and I look at it and I've always questioned. You know, very little comes out of the members of the Democrat Party, especially congressional leaders, that isn't for a specific purpose. Think about that. How many times have we turned on CNN or MSNBC or even ABC, CBS, NBC, the big ones, the broadcast ones, and you hear a maybe a line or three or four words, a slogan or something, and all of a sudden they're all saying it at exactly the same time. We played here some time ago this big major television network, biggest one in the country, Sinclair Broadcasting, and we played you a talking point that was scripted that every one of their over 100 television stations across the nation at the same time, every one of their anchors were giving this verbatim and we overlapped them and you could hear them all saying literally the exact same thing at the exact same time. That's a world in which we find ourselves in. We never get any explanations. No justification for that. There's a reason for it, folks. It's coordinated, very coordinated. And so what is the one theme that we hear all the time? Dick Durbin, other leaders in the U.S. Senate, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi in the House, Adam Schiff in the House, and all, I mean, right down the line, news media, of course, they parrot exactly what Democrat leaders say, and it's just like they're creating a false narrative and trying to normalize it to all of the American people by repetition. Repetition. Now, this is a big deal we need to all understand. When you were growing up, did you ever work on your multiplication tables? Flashcards we had. And mom would hold them up at home, and it would be three times two is six. And you just go on and on and on and on. And they would start at the two buys, then the three buys, then the four buys, then the five buys, and would come back and do it again and again and again. We call that repetition, learning by repetition. When I was a kid, my dad was a pastor. I was in church all the time, and I, I learned to memorize scripture. And I mean, it's not just people that are everyday Christians I'm talking about. I grew up in South Louisiana. Catholicism, boy, those kids are taught in in school and in catechism, they can quote all kind of scriptures and things. We learn by repetition. You say it over and over and over again. I've said this here before. You tell a dog long enough that it's a, a cat, it's going to start meowing eventually. It'll eventually believe you. And that may be a little extreme, but that just illustrates what the reality is that you and I are living in. So what seems to be the number one talking point that the talking heads keep trying to shove down our throats? Conservatives, and sometimes we hear it just called the Republican Party, are destroying our democracy. Conservatives, Republicans, Trump people, Trump supporters are destroying 
our democracy. You and I both know that's not factual. So why do they keep saying it? Because they know if they say it enough over and over and over in a multitude of settings, a national news broadcast, folks, when when those people at the broadcast networks, ABC News, CBS News, NBC News, when they crack a microphone and they have a television camera on them, and day after day after day they give these one-liners, people across the nation just say, we don't even think about it. Okay, that's the way it is. So then you wake up one day and people next door or people down the street from you or people that work with you, they know you're a Republican. They know you're a conservative. They may not say anything, but they look at you and know for a fact you're an evil person. And you are one of those that are destroying their democracy. Their Democracy, You know, that one that is supposed to be government of the people, by the people, and for the people that was created on the backs of hundreds of thousands of Americans that fought for freedom, everyone's freedom. And yet they're told and they believe that you and I are destroying their democracy. So let me ask you this. Let's just go back and look at this. Let's just break this apart for just a moment. What is democracy? Democracy. Let me give you a couple of definitions. There are five of them. We'll give, I'll give you all five from the top down. One, one A, a government by the people, especially rule of the majority. And then one B, a government in which the supreme power is vested in the people and exercised by them directly or indirectly through a system of representation usually involving periodically held free elections. Definition two, a political unit that has a democratic government. Number three, the principles and policies of the Democrat Party in the United States. Number four, the common people, especially, hold on just a second, the common people, especially when constituting the source of political authority. And number five, the absence of hereditary or arbitrary class distinctions or privileges. So you get the gist. Now, when they say conservatives are destroying democracy, that literally means and can only mean this. If you're a conservative, all of your philosophies is built around doing this, destroying government by the people destroying a government in which the power is vested in the people and exercised by them directly or indirectly through a system of representation, destroying a political unit that has a democratic government. In other words, folks, they're saying if you're a conservative, not anything about you personally, because they don't know you personally, but just because you disagree with them You've got to be destroying a democracy. That must be your driving wish. Now, what goes along with that? What does that morph into? What is the replacement for that? The thing that they say we want to happen, replacing democracy in the world. 
Well, it's called autocracy. And you've heard them use that too. What setting have we heard them use it in over and over and over again? Donald Trump, he wants autocratic government. He wants to be an autocracy in the United States, right? What does that mean? What's an autocracy? Government by a single person having unlimited power, despotism. A country or state that is governed by a single person that has unlimited power. The power of determining one's own actions, independent of self-derived power, self-government, self-rule. Let me ask you that. Let me ask you about this. Can you give me one example, one, just one, of any autocratic policy that Donald Trump tried to shove down the throats of the Americans during his four years as president. Now, let me, let me just listen closely to what I'm going to ask you right now. I need you to weigh in on this. This can't be just Dan. This needs to be Americans. Can you think of one thing, one policy that was promoted, one executive order that Donald Trump did? Just one that was prefaced as government by a single person having unlimited power of despotism. Not one. Not one. So where do they get this? That if you're a conservative, you want to destroy democracy and replace it with an autocracy. That means having somebody running the show unilaterally. I can tell you somebody who kind of liked that idea and never said he wasn't for it. Barack Obama. I've got my cell phone and my pen. That's all I need to govern. Give me the power. I'm going to take it and do it. Remember that? You ever hear Donald Trump say anything like that? No. His actions entirely from the beginning of his campaign until the day he left office was always about we the people giving power back to the people taking power away from the autocratic wannabes in the u.s congress and the bureaucrats political bureaucrats that sit atop the heap in washington dc so what are they talking about deflecting fading wow Marianne just opened the door to the studio (laughs) and we have like a seven second satellite delay. I heard myself seven seconds ago as she waved goodbye. Anyway, my point is folks, this is all about where we are today, right now. What this government is about today, right now. We opened the show talking just for a second about what's happening up in Canada. There's nothing democratic about what Justin Trudeau has been doing. They tried with the help of the media up there, the media lapdogs in Canada, just like we have them here. Joe Biden's media lapdogs, they all have three letters in front of their names. CNN, MSNBC's got four, ABC, CBS, NBC, and then the newspapers. The New York Times, the Washington Post. And you can just go on and on and on. They're all in line. They are all eating and drinking at the trough of autocracy. And guess who fills the trough for them? 
Joe Biden, Jake Sullivan, Antony Blinken, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer. They filled the trough of autocracy for everybody in the nation. And their justification for doing it, they would never admit. At least they want now. That's what they want. They want the United States of America to look exactly like the countries in the UK where the people have very little, if any, power. But all that power has been absorbed by an autocracy that is self-appointed, sits atop the heap, and tells everybody what's okay, what's good, what's bad, and of course, what can and cannot be done. And then they wield the hammer of law, not justice, the hammer of law, and they go after people. Justin Trudeau got the media in Canada to tell everybody, even us down here in the United States, that those truckers, they were violent. They all had uh, MAGA hats and were waving Confederate flags and were brutally breaking into places and beating people up. None of that was true. Not one instance of that happening. Not a single one. But telling the truth up there, perpetrating an autocracy, it doesn't work if you tell the truth and let the people be the people. Those truckers were exercising their Canadian rights. And folks, all of those actions that have come out of that so far, think about it. Those truckers this past weekend, none of them were armed. None of them were armed. And yet those Trudeau thugs went in there trampling on people, beating them up, throwing them in jail. For what? Expressing their angst about the government that is no longer representing the people of Canada. Trudeau, I don't know if you saw it on Friday, uh, We the little part of our show that we did, we played a segment from Parliament where he stood up in front of the parliament of that's like the Congress, a joint session of Congress here in the United States and Joe Biden doing it after a member of the conservative party in Canada, a female who's a Jew stood up and basically derided the government of Canada for what they were doing. Trudeau stood up and actually compared her and everybody thinking like her as supporting swastikas, which she has people in her genealogy that died because of swastikas. Justin Trudeau painting that picture autocratically. Anybody that disagrees with me and the way that I run this country, you've got to be an autocrat wannabe. You've got to want a government that's minus democracy when the exact opposite is true. 866-378-7884, 866-37-TRUE. If you want to join the show today, you just got the first version of first thoughts, Dan's thoughts. You'll hear some of this every once in a while. As a matter of fact, I've been suggested that I make this a segment that will be uh, added to the top of our stories as an audio soundbite that you can download later. I don't know about that. 
we're going to get into it. But let's come back to the U.S. now. Let me ask you a question. Are there any people alive in the U.S. today who remember um, civility in our government? What about people in both parties, Democrat and Republican, who remained close friends with their political opponents and they held each other in some respect at the same time they argued opposite positions in the U.S. House and the Senate regarding pending legislation? I remember it. I'll never forget back in Ronald Reagan's eight years. I forget the guy's name who was Speaker of the House at that time, but he was a very, very hard leftist. But he and Reagan were friends, and they got after each other, but they were friends. That's gone, folks. No doubt the founders of this nation were not in one mind and one accord regarding every political issue. There was constant disagreement back then. And it was shared across some very hot beds of political perspective. And yes, there was even one famous duel that occurred because of those differences. But even in those rare circumstances where political opponents literally came to blows, it seemed there was always consensus found on all matters that were of particular importance to those they represented in the various states. Who could have imagined back then the scenario we see today in which disagreement seems to be controlled by just a very small group of political mighties who have, for some reason and somehow, seized that right with power from some source that their citizens have never seen and certainly do not know its origins. But it is real. It seems late, lately, like everywhere, on both the right and the left, we're hearing a chorus of voices tell us America is hopelessly divided and on the brink of a second civil war. It's bad, folks, but it's getting worse. The level of rancor and incivility characterizing much of our political dialogue appears to confirm as much that it is getting worse. Every day, it appears left and right have arrived at irreconcilable worldviews, disagreeing on first principles, core convictions, specific policy choices, and ultimate ends. Increasingly, they're unable to see eye to eye even when it comes to pure matters of fact. But what if the appearance of a great, insuperable divide is vastly overstated? or even being deliberately amplified by forces that benefit from the division itself. Have you ever thought about that? The gulf on certain significant matters is very substantial to be sure, yet when we turn to look one by one at some of the most high-profile issues, we see that this split may be greatly overstated. There's a great deal of talk about transsexual athletes, especially when men and boys seek a shortcut to the awards podium by competing against women and girls. The reality, however, is that a strong majority of Americans, 62% of us, hold the common sense view that athletes shouldn't get to compete in categories other than those corresponding to their birth genders, and only 34% think different from that. That's pretty substantial. 
the streaming of illegal immigrants across the Mexico-U.S. border is the subject of apparent fierce debates over and over every day. And yet, looking behind the headlines, a clear 71% of Americans believe it's unacceptable for people to enter this country illegally. Defunding the police. That's a policy proposal that's been headline news ever since Black Lives Matter protests and riots in the summer of 2020. However, folks, in this conversation, this one isn't even close. 84% of Americans oppose defunding. 47% believe that funding for cops should actually be increased. Only 15% favor less funding. This could be in small part because, as another recent poll found, 77% of registered voters are extremely or very concerned about rising crime, including, for example, 74% of voters in traditionally liberal bastions like New York City. President Lyndon Johnson's Great Society, remember this? It was a disaster. The programs were expressly envisioned by LBJ as a method of reparations. What does that mean? To try to get historically disadvantaged black Americans to the same starting line that are enjoyed by some other Americans. Yet our current breed of racism and white supremacy fanatics keep pushing for yet further reparations. Thankfully, however, most of us won't be fooled again. 62% of Americans oppose reparations, 46% being definite in that view, while only 17% are strong proponents of the view that reparations should definitely be paid. And that's an oxymoron beyond explanation whatsoever. How could you, you never, you never had a slave. Nobody that you know ever had a slave. So how would it make any kind of sense for you to be held accountable to pay somebody for something that you didn't do and that wasn't done to them. I just can't get past that one. Amidst all the hubbub over critical race theory in our schools, clear majorities of Americans believe schools should be teaching the truth about slavery, 78%, and racism, 73%. But 86% of Americans also believe that schools are going beyond the facts, pushing a problematic political agenda, with 63% considering this a major problem. Relatedly, 74% of us believe that race has become too much of a focus in schools, 49% deeming this a major problem as well. If we listen to the media propagandists, Biden's commitment to nominating a black woman for the Supreme Court seat vacated by Justice Stephen Breyer, it's an A-OK, even progressive thing to do. More than three-quarters of Americans surveyed, though, know better. 76% believe Biden should be considering every possible nominee and not just a black woman. Only 23% want him to stay committed to his current plan. In other words, folks, we're not getting the truth. We're not getting the truth. 
While the most unapologetically vulgar identity politics have been normalized here, it says nothing. Indeed, it says a lot. It says something. When 57% of voters in California, arguably the most liberal state in the country, vote no when affirmative action is put on an up or down vote, this despite the 2020 proposition carrying the momentum of the radical racial frenzy unleashed by the death of George Floyd, and despite the support of high-profile celebrities and politicians with $31 million in donations to the cause against only $1.6 million raised to defeat the proposition. You haven't really heard the meat of this whole thing because the media doesn't give this to us. We do the deep dives to find out only that we're being deceived by all of those in leadership and their spokespeople and, of course, their minions, the media. It's still even more telling, in fact, that despite nearly 25 years of identity politics running amok in the interim, the 57% vote against affirmative action in 2020 actually marked a slight increase from the 54% who voted to end affirmative action in California when the issue was first put to the popular test in 96. So when you go beyond the deep blue California to the nation as a whole, the results are more damning still. 76% of us are done with affirmative action by race in university admissions, as an example. And an even higher 81% oppose gender-based admission. Shocking as it may sound to some, most of us believe that scarce slots should be awarded based on what? Merit. Rather than melanin or other inborn traits. Even when it comes to the question of policing speech, a solid majority of us, 57%, think that people today are too easily offended by what others say, while only 40% feel that people should be careful what they say to avoid offending others. For the same reason that polls consistently fail to capture the true level of voter support for Trump in 2016 and 2020, I would be willing to bet there are more than a few poll respondents are hesitant to reveal their true beliefs on questions of race and diversity and that support for anti-identitarian consensus views is actually understated. That's an opinion. I can't quantify that now. But if so many of these pressing matters, which we have been conditioned to think of as hot-button issues spurring widespread dissent, are in reality the subjects of widespread consensus, Where's the disconnect? The answer is depressingly simple. Massively overrepresented in media, academia, and among social influencers of every other sort. Let me just give you a few. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Screeching progressive elites are driving our dialogue, sending us into a sharp left turn off the straight and narrow path. And they're coordinated. It's authoritarian rule. It is coming from the top. And the top is using all of its resources. Significant resources, I might add. 
to steer Americans away from the facts towards a life of willingly being ruled by authoritarianism. Many of these people, whether best-selling celebrity academics like Robin DiAngelo and Ibram X. Kendi, or journalists working for publications like the New York Times that knowingly monetize tall tales of racism and white supremacy to trigger emotions, emotions, not factual, not regarding and responding to actual facts that are out there, but to trigger emotions of their liberal readers and drive ad sales. All of these have a financial incentive to further racial and other identitarian hysteria. Some of the high-profile individuals that are contributing to this divisive rhetoric on such issues may be sincerely committed to their causes, of course, but this doesn't make them any more representative of the nation as a whole just because they may be emotional and they think they're right. Just because you think something's right doesn't make it right. According to the comprehensive 2018 Hidden Tribes Report from More in Common, that's an organization dedicated to fighting political polarization, just 8% of the country falls into the tribe the authors dub progressive activist. Here's, let me just do this. Here's a report summary paragraph describing these people. Listen to this. Quote, progressive activists have strong ideological views, high levels of engagement with political issues, and the highest levels of education and socioeconomic status. Their own circumstances are secure. They've got it all going on. Why do they have it all going on? It's because they're such great people, and they're because they're so good. They have so much knowledge, so much intellect. They're so smart. They know the best. Everybody else is unworthy. They got to tell us. And the only thing that's true about that is their socioeconomics are secure. They feel safer than any group. That perhaps frees them to devote more attention to larger issues of social justice in their equality society that is no longer equality. It's about equity. And they're endowed to be the ones that determine what equity means and who gets what and who gets it taken from them. They have an outsized role in public debates, even though they comprise just a small portion of the total population. Less than 10%, folks. Less than 10%. It's estimated that group is about 1 in 12. They're highly sensitive to issues of fairness and equity particularly regarding race, gender, and other minority group identities because those are more easily weaponized, easier to create and implement and perpetuate and widen gaps. You can use the race word and just ignite fires overnight. Their emphasis on just power structures leads them to be very pessimistic about fairness in the whole nation. They're uncomfortable with nationalism and ambivalent about America's role in the world. I think that that synopsis in Hidden Tribes, I think they got it right. 
So right along with the report's findings, it's no secret that politically engaged Democrats and liberals are massively overrepresented in media and academia, both of which are progressively becoming even more heavily skewed left with every passing year. In 1971, that's when I graduated from high school, 26% of all journalists identified as Republicans. 36% were Democrats. By 2014, Republicans were just 7%. Democrats now outnumbered them 4 to 1. The numbers are undoubtedly still more skewed today in a time when journalists are eager to let their biases show through and unwilling to uphold even a pretense of journalistic objectivity. That's gone, folks. You're an idiot, and I know you're not. So I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking to those people out there who don't have a clue when they watch or listen to one of today's media quote-unquote journalists reporting on a political story don't get the fact that this person is a hardcore leftist. It is so obvious there is no pretense to even try to hide it anymore. So let's go from journalism to academia. The numbers are just as stark. 44% of the American professorate identifies as liberal, while just 9% identify as conservative, but in the influential social scientists and humanities. Those respective numbers are 58% compared to 5% and 52% compared to 4% respectively. Not so long ago, just 1984, liberals comprised 39% of academics, conservatives were 34%. Talk about a seismic shift in just a decade or two. Not to be forgotten, a big chunk of toxic bias being stirred into our collective cauldron by big tech skewed search algorithms and increasingly heavy-handed speech censors like those other important sectors of society. Big tech has pronounced leftward tilt with only 1% of Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Google, and Microsoft employees contributing to political campaigns going to Republican candidates. The largest recipient of big tech's political contributions in 2018, midterms, receiving $1 billion was ActBlue, a fundraising platform for quote-unquote progressive candidates, a billion bucks. With this much sludge clogging up our political arteries, why would we be surprised that when it comes to the kinds of issues that matter to our ruling elites, it looks like to us that we are far more divided than we actually are? That's what I'm talking about now, folks. We're not as divided as they make us to be. We're catching on. One particular area of widespread consensus that the media is likely none too interested in disseminating to us is the general public's view of the media itself. They're chasing their tails, folks, and they don't realize it. And what they really don't realize is that we've caught on. Hey, look at them. They're chasing their tails. 
While Trump was widely demonized for calling the media fake news and the enemy of the people, the people, it seems, actually agree. <laughs> Let me give you an example. Just recently, July 21, Rasmussen, 58% of likely voters agreed that the media is truly the enemy of the people. 58%. Now, Rasmussen is not leaning one way or the other. In fact, to be honest with you, I'm a subscriber because of Truth News Network, and I sometimes feel in the reporting, the polling reporting that Rasmussen does, they lean a little to the left. But in July, 58%, they say. Likely voters agreed the media is truly the enemy of the people. And in a still more recent Gallup poll from October, the percentage of Americans who trusted the media was 7, 7%. And then way out there, somewhere sinking in the Atlantic, CNN's 90% ratings freefall over the course of the past year may not be a mere aberration, but it looks like more and more every day it's part of a broader trend in which people have begun to tune out all of these ratings-driven spreaders of sensationalized breaking news profit-driven racial hysteria, thinly-veiled regime propaganda, polarizing political bias and mass information. Do you get how I really feel about that? Where did those words, those came from the gut, folks. Ratings-driven spreaders of sensationalized breaking news, profit-driven racial hysteria, thinly-veiled regime propaganda, polarizing political bias and mass misinformation. I'm not sending any of them Christmas cards this year. (laughs) Oh, universities, we can't leave them out. They're getting our attention more and more every day. Though Republicans and Democrats may have some disagreement when it comes to the details of why universities are becoming problematic, regardless of whether the issue is exorbitant tuitions, overly politicized administrations, professors, classrooms, or the inadequate teaching of essential skills, all of that. Despite all that, 61% of us agree universities are headed in the wrong direction. Enrollment is on the downswing. The reputation of big tech is likewise starting to take a hit in the public eye. As of just one year ago, 45% of Americans have a negative view of those firms, as compared to only 34% with a positive view. 57% of us wanted more government regulations of these many tentacled monstrosities. And that was largely before tech platforms began to play the part of government lackeys administering an escalating mass censorship campaign in which backroom technocrats take it upon themselves to stifle public debate, and they do it purporting to resolve difficult questions of what is or is not good science while deplatforming leading credential virologists and elected politicians alike. I told you someone sent me, I think it was on Thursday, late Thursday, remember the context of where I was in my attention span and whatever late Thursday, a list of 61 doctors 
accredited, very reputable virologist, epidemiologist from around the world, 61 of them providing specific evidence about all of the lies regarding everything to do with COVID-19. 61 YouTube videos. And when I got ready to start downing it, loading and looking at them, every one of the 61 had been pulled down by Google. Gone. I can't find them anywhere. Just to put a, a bow on this, we got to break the spell. We got to realize we have the strength of numbers today already on our side. Then we need to overcome the collection collective action problem that afflicts all diffuse majorities and band together to fight a culture war. We got to take back our institutions from the sinister forces that have co-opted them. Those of us fortunate enough to see here and now and where it is we stand have a responsibility to let everybody in our path know what's going on to spread our words of warning and our good word far and wide until the dark veil that has descended upon this land is lifted. I want to get to this part where we can raise a chorus of hosannas that ring out from sea to shining sea. And the first part of this, to get this to happen, all of these institutions, all of this process, it hinges on one thing and one thing only. We have a government that no longer has to listen to us. Now, legally, they have to, but they're not. So what are we going to do? We have the ability to change it. What are you going to do? Folks, I'm sitting out here right now. I'm speaking to people around the world. There are people that are listening to the show this morning in New Zealand, in Australia, in Central Europe, in South America, a huge number from Canada, Australia, the Philippines, even China. Xi Jinping would have a heart attack if he knew how many Chinese people are listening to TNN Live, Truth News Network today. Now, don't sit there and say, I can't do what you do. Maybe you can't, but I can't do what you do. So what's the answer? I can't tell you. But if you look hard enough into yourself, you look at your world that you live in, our circles obviously cross with each other's circles to some degree. But there's a whole bunch of people in your circle that aren't in mine and vice versa. You got to tell your story. You got to point people. If you can't, if you don't have the abilities, and I'm not denigrating anybody, because I, I folks, I'm a keyboard guy. I play at church. I do, a, as many of you know, I do, when I'm healthy, I do a six o'clock prayer meeting thing at our church every Monday through Friday morning. And I play praise and worship music on a keyboard. We have a guy that praise and worship leader in Shreveport Community Church. I've done keyboard stuff for 60 years. He runs circles around me. And whenever, and he's like one of my kids. I love him. African American guy, Alex. When Alex walks in the room, I look forward to every once in a while he'll drop by for that prayer thing. I'll immediately get off the, uh, 
the keyboards and walk over and sit down with my other fellow brothers and let Alex take over. We all can't do it all. None of us can do it all. But every one of us has giftings and we have callings. Opening your mouth and talking is something we all can do. And if we don't do it, who the heck will? I don't want to wake up one morning and realize that my six grandkids are living in a nation that's 180 degrees away away from where it was when I was born in 1953, coming out of World War II and Korea, where literally people in my family left everything and just stepped forward and said, what can I do? What's out there that needs to be done? Mary Ann has an aunt that passed away three years ago. Aunt Marge, she left Spring Hill, Louisiana, and she moved to Fort Worth. She knew nothing about mechanics and nothing about building, and she volunteered for World War II to go there and work in a factory building airplanes, and she just hauled stuff around. But she did what she could do to help the United States stay free because the Japanese had bombed Pearl Harbor. We're not at that point yet. We don't have any promise that we're not going back there. And with this guy in the White House and his lackey, his counterpart across the pond to the east, Vladimir Putin, you have no idea where we're headed. I certainly don't. But I just know this. Wherever we're headed, I want it to be because that's where the majority of this nation the people of the nation, not the 535 that are elected, the people that sit in the White House and serve in the Biden administration. Not We're not going where they want to go just because they want to go there. We want to go where the people want to go. Speak up, folks. Make your voices heard. Make some noise. Real truth. Real news. TNN. The Truth News Network. Howdy. The streamer here. You know, there's a place down yonder where three streams converge into one. It's where I saw the Mandalorian get himself into a space squabble. Watch me some UFC. Those folks from Modern Family had me cackling like a trout getting tickled. Well, that's a Disney bundle for you. It lets you stream Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus for only $13.99 a month. The Disney bundle. It's streaming at its best. Includes Hulu ad-supported plan. Access content from each service separately. Terms apply. Visit thedisneybundle.com for details. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a... Swing! <sighs> Bob? Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. Shop at H&M. Be stylish. Be trendy. With women's clothes and accessories at the best quality and the best prices since 1947. Come to H&M and shop for women's clothing and accessories inspired by the latest fashion trends. Here at H&M, the master of cheap fashion, clothes cost the average price of $21.40. Wow, that's so cheap and affordable. I know, right? 
H&M offers fashion and quality clothing at an affordable price. So, what are you waiting for? Come shop at H&M today! Hashtag Hot and Modern You know, over the weekend, as um, I looked in and watched some of the news stuff, I think probably all of us, every time we had been away from television, radio, and been doing other things, we'll go back and check in just to see what's happening. Because as you know, we've been being told every day, all day long now, for 30 days, Putin's about to invade Ukraine. He's going. We know for a fact he's going. Putin's going. He's going to invade Ukraine. For those of you that joined us on Friday, I relate a a conversation that I had with a very wealthy man, a multi-billionaire. He's a globalist guy. He's he's from Singapore. He lives somewhere in the Middle East now. Um, He's a great Christian guy. And he talked to me one-on-one the previous week to, um, to tell me that all this stuff about Ukraine and Putin invading He predicted it's not going to happen. Putin is using it because he is desperately afraid he's going to lose the great resource that comes to the people of Russia from Ukraine. What is that resource? Food. Now, nobody thought about, nobody thought, you know, why would would Putin want Ukraine? Why did he go, well, why did under... Joe and Obama, Obama, why did he go after and get Crimea? What's Ukraine got that Putin wants? The majority of the food for the Russian people comes from Ukraine. Nobody tells us that. The other thing is he is deathly afraid that Joe Biden is going to open the door and push Ukraine to join NATO. Putin wants to be in NATO. I don't I don't see any scenario in which that's ever going to happen, but he's scared to death and he wants he wants a seat at the table to sit in front of Joe Biden and be able to get Biden to do what he wants for the people of Russia. Now let me ask you this, what's evil about that? Yeah, I'm I, you know, I in in the the landscape of history in my lifetime, Vladimir Putin, the old Soviet Union where he got all of his teaching from was evil. I think Vladimir Putin is a power broker, is a very narcissistic human being that wants to accumulate more and more power. I get that. But he's no different than the rest of us. What's our fundamental driving reason for everything we do? To make everything for okay. Make it all okay for us. Get the best out of our lives that we possibly can. His power comes from his people. And his people are looking to him to make sure that they have the fundamentals that they need to be able to live their lives. Novel idea, one of those is food. (laughs) We're not hearing that kind of stuff from our leadership, but yet every day, oh, we know Putin's about to invade. Putin's about to invade. Let me just throw something out there. Now, we are, I guess, maybe we aren't. Maybe I've been lied to. Maybe you've been lied to. 
we're still the most powerful country on the planet. We've actually made some people pay some pretty big prices for not doing the right things through my lifetime. People have gotten popped pretty hard, pretty quickly. Do you think Vladimir Putin thinks that Joe Biden's going to do anything to him if he invades Ukraine? Oh, he's going to do these sanctions. He's going to... Come on now, folks. That pipeline that hadn't started operations again but is about to be the lifeblood of gas for Germany and most of Northern Europe that initiates in Russia... We had sanctions on that pipeline through the entire four years of Trump's administration. They survived. What did they do? They went around and did other things. They got the resources that they needed. Maybe it cost them more. Maybe it was aggravating to have to do it, but they did it. They found ways. Have you, have you sat down and tried to puzzle through and answered all the whys that you have? Why is Biden doing this? Why doesn't he do that? Why, if, uh, have you heard him say once, there are going to be severe circumstances that happen. Repercussions will be dire for Russia if, if he invades Ukraine. My dad taught me something many, many years ago, and I didn't like it when he taught it to me or the way he taught it to me. Sometimes when he thought I was going to do something wrong, he would tell me, if you do that, I'm going to do this. And if I made it continually look like it was a possibility I was going to do that, eventually he would just go ahead and punish me. And when I grew up, you know, I'm I'm just saying, the way my dad punished me was with a belt. What is Joe going to do to Vladimir Putin if he invades Ukraine? And those sanctioned things, I, I know they're, and, and I don't know what they are, but I'm sure there are some ways where we can really make the Russian people hurt a lot of things. We can, we can sanction them. We can block a lot of their resources. But folks... We're just one country, and we have a few partners that will work with us. Vladimir Putin has opened up the channel. His best friend is Xi Jinping in China. Don't you think that he can't get anything we take away from them, from China? And if not directly from China, China can get anything they want from anywhere else on the planet, including here. There's a lot more to this. Vladimir Putin, Joe Biden thing. And I always say this, folks, when it's, when it's something that is quacking and waddling, it's a duck. There's something going on there. There's something going on there. It didn't work, very seldom work with my dad when he warned me and I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And the warnings never did any good with with me. They're not going to do any good with Vladimir Putin. Why didn't Joe go ahead and do something? Why don't you a novel idea? You want to cut off that pipeline? You want to you want to cut off <clears throat> excuse me. You want to cut off some of their food sources and stuff like that? Instead of threatening them, go ahead and cut them off. 
and say, withdraw those 150,000 troops from the border surrounding Ukraine on three sides, and we'll let you get your food back. Doesn't that sound like something a leader would do? Doesn't that make it sound like the leader, if Joe Biden has that power and everybody thinks he does, why doesn't he do something like that? Instead of just standing out there and looking at Russia and then turning around to everybody else in the world and saying, he's going to invade, he's going to invade. They've been telling us that for a month now. He hadn't invaded. He doesn't want to invade Ukraine, folks, or he already would have. So then we have the brain surgeon atop the heat in our, our State Department, Antony Blinken. He was on NBC's Meet the Press yesterday morning. And he was asked a question <laughs> along the same lines as I just shared. Why the heck hasn't the president done anything? Why hasn't it happened before now? Why doesn't somebody put Vladimir Putin in his place? Listen to Blinken's response on NBC's Meet the Press. Let me ask this question. In your assessment, why did Putin, why is he do escalating with Ukraine now? Why didn't he do this under the previous administration who wasn't as supportive of NATO? Um, it, you, if you just look at it observationally, if he really wanted Ukraine and he didn't want the United States getting in the way, he perhaps had a uh, more of a, of a friendlier administration uh, in the previous one. Why do you think he didn't act then? I hope you get a chance to ask him. Um, but uh, look, here's what I can say. I, I, I think, and I really don't want to put myself uh, in, in his, his mind because that it's, it's very hard to do. But I think it's um, reasonable to, to, to think that as President Putin sees it, uh, Ukraine was slipping further and further away from his grasp uh, over time. Uh, increasingly Western-oriented, uh, desirous of a future with Europe, mm-hmm. uh, and as that was continuing uh, year after year, by the way, <laughs> largely again as a result of his actions in alienating the Ukrainians by seizing Crimea and um, invading via separatists uh, the Donbas, as that was happening, it, it uh, no doubt got to a point where he thought if he didn't do something to change the dynamic, uh, it was just going to happen. If he didn't do something to change the dynamic, so you have Antony Blinken who, if you remember correctly, you know what his history is. He was involved at the top. Him and Jake Sullivan, our national security advisor, and our secretary of defense, General Lloyd Austin. He was over CENTCOM in the Middle East during Joe Biden and Barack Obama's eight years. Look at what happened on their watch over there. Joe Biden was vice president. He was the czar of pulling us out of Iraq. He shouldn't have pulled us out of Iraq. He went in to do that, and what happened? It got so bad when we left, we had to go back in. Lloyd Austin, CENTCOM, he was the guy that did not send American forces to Benghazi in time to save the lives of four Americans that night. And you know who was communicating directly with him on the phone and Secretary of State Hillary Clinton when this was all going on? Jake Sullivan. Jake Sullivan, our national security advisor, Antony Blinken was in the State Department at that time. 
This is crazy, folks. The same players, they're at the top. We're in a world event that is everyone's waiting breathlessly for Russia to invade Ukraine. And we have the same people that failed miserably at everything they've ever done in foreign policy from the president on down. Fortunately for all of us, Hillary Clinton's not in office in any capacity right now, or it would be even multiplied worse. The definition of insanity is having the same resources, the same people in the same situation, and then expecting it to not happen the way it did previously with those same people involved. This is just nuts. We don't have leaders in our country. And people overseas are looking at us now, folks. We're feckless. They laugh at us. People in Europe, they laugh at the United States. Our leaders are weak, top to bottom. There is nobody strong in our government. Our military has been dumbed down to ridiculous. And that's not saying one word about the men and women that shore up our military. I'm talking about leadership, leadership, leadership. I'll tell you how bad it is. Vice President Harris, Joe Senator Europe to fix things, you know, like she did down at our southern border. And so she gets on stage with the leader of NATO. I cannot believe her handlers let this happen. So he's talking to her about um, the United States and where we are and where the people of Europe are regarding the United States. I'm going to let you listen to this. He's asking our vice president questions, a question, and he gives this soliloquy that lasts a minute and 10 seconds. Listen to what he says with no response. From our VP, I got—I just got to be completely honest with you. When I first heard this, it nauseated me. Here we go. As we look forward, there are lots of people here in, in Germany, in Europe, who are asking themselves, okay, America is back, that's great, but is it for good? Is this for good? Many in Europe are fearful of a time where maybe some kind of a second Trump could be looming in the future. So here's my question. What can or should we Europeans do to keep the United States engaged in Europe long term? Not just today as we sit here and even beyond the current administration. Um, I think that is Uh, such an important question because we have learned over these last weeks and months that without the United States considering herself a European power, we're actually quite powerless. Without the United States considering herself a European power, we're actually quite powerless. Without the United States considering themselves to be a European power. Who told that guy that the United States ever was considering itself a European power? 
The United States people, they have no thought. There's no need for us to be a power for the European nations or any other nations around the world. That's not who we are. We're not globalists. We don't take on any responsibility to do things for other countries. You heard the response of our vice president? Oh my gosh, it was breathtaking. (laughs) There wasn't one. Talk about nobody at home. I can see why they think what they think about the fecklessness of this administration. When they have Joe Biden, who can't carry on a sentence or answer a question, can't even read a teleprompter, he's supposed to be the most powerful man on the globe, and then he sends over his vice president, who can't even put a sentence that makes reason together herself. And that's the picture they have of us? And then, of course, you heard what this globalist said about, we think we may see another Donald Trump, and we don't want that. That would be bad for Europe. These same people, generation before or whatever, the French and the German people, they had no respect for the United States of America, none whatsoever until we marched in their big city streets and drove the Nazis out of their cities and emptied all of the people, the millions of people that were in concentration uh, camps, Europeans, to keep them from being slaughtered, further slaughtered by these great European people. That's not our calling. Our calling is to be who we are, to be a beacon on the hill, to be run and controlled by our own people, not by autocrats that sit at the top of the heap and speak down to everybody here, which is where we are today under this administration. Make no bones about it. That's where we are. This guy has the audacity to pick up the phone and call Justin Trudeau in Canada and tell him, let me tell you how to quell those protesters, those evil truckers. Look what we did on the January 6th thing where the insurrectionists came to our capital. Those truckers have the right under the Canadian Constitution to peacefully protest, which they did. There was no violence. None, except on the part of the Canadian police. Oh my gosh. What are we in for, folks? Let's move on. You know, we now heard over the weekend, yesterday actually, they got a deal plan. Joe's going to meet. Joe's going to meet with Vlad. Well, this morning, very early, the Kremlin said uh, there are no firm plans made for a summit between Biden and Putin. (laughs) Oh, we're going to meet. We're going to meet now. Joe Biden said, we're going to meet. I'm going to meet with Vladimir Putin. I told him I would meet with him if he promised not to invade. Kremlin, there are no firm plans made for a summit between Biden and and Vladimir Putin. That comes one day after Emmanuel Macron, the French president, said the two leaders accepted a principle of a summit. So Kremlin spokesperson got a name. 
not just a, a word. We don't get names out of the White House or this administration says. We get a name, Dmitry Peskov, Kremlin spokesperson, told reporters early this morning that while Biden and Putin can schedule a phone call or a meeting at any time, there are no definite plans for a summit. We don't even know what we're hearing out of this administration is even remotely close to being factual. And yet we're supposed to just go on with our lives and trust our leaders. Those amazing leaders over there, impeccably truthful, telling us, making us comfortable they know what they're doing and keeping us safe from that evil tiny man that takes his shirt off and rides a horse. Vladimir Putin is a hundred times more a leader than is Joe Biden. A hundred, maybe even more than that. And the saddest part about that is Joe Biden doesn't even get that. So let's go back up to Canada for just a minute. You know, that, that whole thing's not over. Canadian authorities have made dozens more arrests in the capital city of Ottawa. 47 people, they say. That brings the total so far to 170. Hey, we're working hard to get towards that 700 that the U.S. FBI arrested from the January 6th Capitol invasion. Steve Bell, a spokesman for the police department, the city of Ottawa, said, as we continue to take back our streets, city of Ottawa crews and other municipal vehicles came into the area to clean up and tow away all of the demonstrators' possessions and vehicles. When we deployed our officers this morning, you saw the public order units on the ground sweeping across the downtown core from east to west and moving demonstrators out of the parliamentary parliamentary precinct, stating that the officers continued to face resistance while doing so and that at one point, a flare was ignited by a protester. Oh my God, they lit a flare. <laughs> and so in response, officers used chemical irritant, also known as pepper spray, to disperse unlawful demonstrators who were resisting police officers. Pictures from the Capitol up there show police in military-style garb and armed with rifles as they move against the Freedom Convoy supporting other police in more traditional riot gear armed with batons and crude wooden clubs. This is tough work, said Chief Bell, claiming the officers were doing what they've been trained to do and have demonstrated unparalleled discipline, restraint, and the utmost professionalism. Not one punch was thrown. Not one gun showed up. Nobody had even in that two-week, 10-day period, however long it was, done anything towards violence, hackling, hurting any of those people in downtown. Not one incident, not a single one. And yet, Justin got on the phone with Joe, and Joe said, hey, let me tell you how to do it out there. Put your police out there. Put them in riot gear. Have them go face-to-face with these protesters and incite those protesters into starting conflict and then beat them to a pulp and then throw them in jail. Hey, January 6th, a year ago, we're a year and a month into this thing and we've got more than 200 of those protesters still in prison 
and we're keeping them there. We're going to throw away the key. Forget about that rule of law thing down here. You need to forget about your constitution in Canada up there. You don't have to use it. You're the boss, Justin. Just do what you want to do. That's what we're doing down here. That's what's happening on both sides of the Canadian-USA border, and it's because Joe Biden trained Justin how to do it, folks. Ottawa police claim the Freedom Convoy is finished. Let me tell you what's going to happen. This is, they've just thought they've seen the end of this. Canada's a very big, big nation. And there are millions of Canadians who looked in and watched what happened in their capital and they're, they're scared, and I almost said the S word. <laughs> they're scared to death because their government, they can't imagine their government doing what the United States government has been doing to the people under our administration. Many of those Canadians can't stand Justin Trudeau. I mean, he gets away with everything. He always has. His dad was the premier before him, a couple before him, Pierre Trudeau. He was a spoiled, rotten brat. He doesn't know anything about governing. And the Canadian people are looking in. We haven't seen the end of this. We just haven't seen it. Meanwhile, down here, our DOJ is really sucking eggs. Attorney General Merrick Garland undercut his own promise to restore trust in his department. And he's doing it by the bidding of the radical left, such as suing to block voter ID laws, launching FBI probes of school parents. Gene Hamilton, Gene Hamilton, now you got to watch out. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Gene, but I'm going to put the caveat up front so you can know he's one of those evil Trump folks. He was a counselor to Trump era Attorney General Jeff Sessions and William Barr. He said over the weekend he hopes Attorney General Garland would focus the DOJ on core law enforcement priorities and away from ideological agendas, but he's been sorely disappointed. He said this, for all of his rhetoric talking about Garland and for all of his talk about returning the DOJ to norms and all of those other such things, Garland's Department of Justice has betrayed the trust of the American people. This Department of Justice has just completely gone far left, completely done the opposite of returning to norms. If that is such a thing, and they're really doing the bidding of the radical left these days, he singled out efforts to fight voter ID laws down in Georgia and Texas, and Garland's memo ordering the FBI to investigate moms and dads protesting those school board policies. He said the parents' memo in particular skipped the normal checks and balances among career staffers at the DOJ, was driven instead by political appointees on an ideological impulse. There's chains of approval and different things that usually happen when you're going to issue a memo of that importance. But with Garland's memo, it clearly did not go through the ordinary course. It clearly was pre-cooked, pre-baked. And I know that in the Trump administration, that type of a thing would not have happened. There would have been screams from every news organization and every entity with any ounce of credibility 
calling us to task for doing something like that. This administration, not a word. Crickets. 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 Wow. Wow, wow, wow. There's other stuff being talked about this morning. Other important things. The Durham report and some of the fallout of that that we've already seen. That big debacle that happened weekend before last, which was a bombshell. John Durham filed an amendment or a, a memo in court about the case that it proved there was a whole lot more being investigated and that the Hillary Clinton campaign and maybe Hillary herself were deeply involved in that fake Russia collusion story. In fact, put it together. There's a whole lot more going on. Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio, we're going to turn to him next. We're going to take a break. When we come back, you want to hear what Jordan has to say about what is going on in that regard. There there are just so many moving parts, very important things. It's just hard for us in two hours to put it all in context for you. We'll get right to it after this. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. I want dinner. Parents, if you're a Pilgrim, please make a decision. What happens when a young singer gets to cut a track with an R&B star? Yo! Or a young activist gets to chop it up with their hero? Oh, snap! You get McDonald's Black and Positively Golden Mentors, the series elevating the next generation of changemakers. Each episode, a must-see passing of the torch between the culture leaders of today and the young leaders of tomorrow. Check out Black and Positively Golden Mentors on Instagram at We Are Golden. Look out, world. We got it from here. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates, now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for the $3.99 six-inch sub of the day. How do you want it? Secret DJ set. At a retirement home? Weird. I like it. DJ sandwich in the house. What did he say? Italian BMT $3.99. I call the EMT. Turkey breast $3.99. How much? $3.99. $3.99. Bingo! Time of participating shops. Prices and subs included may vary. Additional charge for extras plus tax. No additional discounts or coupons applied. You're standing against the tide of creeping insanity. One truth at a time. TNN, the Truth News Network. And I guess our mantra needs to be when we talk about our government you can't fix stupid. You can't fix stupid. And you have no no inkling of credibility if you try to figure out a way to make something plausible that is stupid. (laughs) You can't fix it. It just doesn't happen. So back to Jim Jordan, congressman from Ohio. I really like him a lot. Um, We've spoken, and he has agreed to come on this show 
I'm looking forward to it. We're uh, working on details. And, of course, you see him a lot on other media outlets because he's so credible and he's so matter-of-fact in the way he speaks about issues that are so important to us. He was with Larry Kudlow yesterday on Fox News, Fox Business, and they talked about the Durham report and something kind of unusual contained within it. Here's Jim Jordan with Larry Kudlow. Hillary Clinton is in town giving a speech actually just around the corner, I'm told. I have a tweet uh, from her that will interest you regarding the latest revelations uh, from uh, John Durham. The quote is, Trump and Fox are desperately spinning up a fake scandal to distract from his real one. So it's a day that ends in something, in day that ends in something. The more, the more his misdeeds are exposed, the more they lie. Okay, so she's saying yeah. we're just, we're just, uh, it's a corner phrase, trumping this up. But on the other hand, the Durham, I want to get your take on the Durham story because, you know, the Durham thing I think shows with great clarity Trump really was spied on, you know? People said he was crazy sure. when he talked about that. You know, at the Trump Tower, Jim, at, at his, uh, one of his apartment buildings on the west side where he did not live. But then even worse, you know, is this, uh, this uh, Internet guy got into the um, uh, executive uh, office of the president, into the White House, which is very serious yeah. businesses. I mean, you're talking felonies and treason and Lord knows what. Uh, what do you make of this? And I want to add the player, Jake Sullivan. Right, the national security yeah. advisor, who was putting out this crap, and now he's negotiating with the Russians, for heaven's sakes. Yeah, yeah. No, I think the first takeaway is we were right about this all along. President Trump was right when he said in 2017 he was being spied on. Bill Barr said it in 2019. He said spying took place and there was a basis for his concern about the spying. So, and each time that those statements were made, the press and the Democrats, oh, no, no, that's not true. Well, we knew it was true. And now, of course, Durham has more than confirmed that. And he's pointed out the fact that it goes right to the Clinton campaign. What I find interesting is this tech executive one, this Joffe guy, mm. Because there was a piece in the New York Times that said, oh, no, he was doing what he was supposed to do. He was on contract. If he saw something that was of concern to him, he was supposed to raise that concern. Well, let's just assume for a second that's all true. Why did he raise that concern with the lawyer from the Clinton campaign, Mr. Zussman, and also communicated it to Mr. Elias, the lawyer, the chief counsel for the Clinton campaign? If he was concerned about it and there was a real issue there, he should have went to the FBI. But he didn't do that, Larry. He went to the campaign, and then Mr. Zussman takes this information to the FBI. And again, not just anyone at the FBI. Who does he meet with? He meets with Jim Baker, the chief counsel. So that's what's unusual about this and why I find it so troubling, not to mention the language Durham used, Larry, where he said that we were looking to create an inference and a narrative. You know what we call that? We call that framing someone. They were trying to frame the president of the United States, and it, and it goes right to the Clinton campaign as evidenced by the filing from Mr. Durham last Friday. Now, with all that, this guy, Jake Sullivan, helped to sell that. He was out there yes. marketing that. Yes. Okay, he says, this is the most direct link yet between Donald Trump and Moscow, blah, 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 blah. And then he says, I love this. This is, uh, he said this publicly, computer scientists 
have apparently uncovered a covert uh, server linking the Trump organization to a Russian-based bank. But that's what you just described. That's this guy, Jaffe. He's no computer yep. scientist. He was engaged in that. He had servers. He could infiltrate the Internet, and he went right into these Trump places, including the White House after the election. And this guy, Sullivan, is outselling it. My guess is, Jim Jordan, Sullivan helped to sell it to the FBI. Sullivan helped to sell it to the CIA. You know, um, he helped to sell it to the um, DNI as well because he was a foreign policy guy. I'll bet you he was out there marketing it. Yep. Now, that's a problem, isn't it? Well, it sure is. If he did that, if he was, if he was in the know from the get-go on this whole, this whole pattern, this whole operation— if he knew that, then I, yeah, I, th I think he needs to be held accountable. We don't know if he knew, but it'd be hard not to say, it'd be hard to say that he didn't know. I mean, they, again, again, they were trying to create a narrative. If he was in on this from the start about creating this narrative to frame not just anyone, but the major, a major political party's candidate for president and then the president-elect. And it looks like this went all the way into the time when, when uh, President Trump was actually president yes. after January 20th, yes. 2017. So if that's all true, of course he should be held accountable. We don't know if all that is true, but the fact that he was tweeting about it in a timely way seems to indicate he might have known. Yeah, if it quacks and waddles, usually a duck, right? Yeah, there's so much more to this Hillary Clinton involvement, direct involvement. And it's sad that uh, the normal Department of Justice doesn't follow through on things like this. We have to make these special appointments. Why does this kind of stuff, the shenanigans that happened during the campaign between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, and then after that, the entirety of the Trump administration, four years, with most of, without a doubt, the best accomplishments by any government in my lifetime, with the exception of maybe Ronald Reagan when he was in the White House for eight years, and the media are just vapid. They don't keep up with any of it. And then, of course, they never hold anybody that's caught in wrongdoing accountable. They never bring that up. They never talk about it. They never discuss it. Why? Because it doesn't fit the political thuggery of the day by their minions, the ones that control their uh, ability to even have anything to say. I'm talking about the far left. And here we are, everyday Americans, and we're just simply trying to make some decisions and we need facts, just basic fundamental facts, so that we can make some choices of what's best for us and our families. That's not too complicated. Why is it made complicated by the media and by far-left government officials that want to keep that cloud of mystery over everything, and they certainly don't want independent-thinking Americans out there getting the ability to be able to grab the truth. Oh my gosh, we can't let these people know what we're doing and what we're not doing. We've got to have them in a place where they just automatically agree with what we tell them through our media lapdogs. Let me give you another little thing that's going on very quietly behind the scenes that's a really big deal. Guess what the United Kingdom, the UK, is having to do right now? They're trying to put together a plan to strike a swath of trade agreements. Now, we're talking about the UK, the United Kingdom. We're talking about a big entity, one of our longtime partners 
greatest partners in every aspect of political kingdom stuff, the UK, they're having to find ways to negotiate trade agreements with individual American states, not with our government, not with D.C. They want to come do one with my state of Louisiana and with the state of Texas and New York. Why are they doing this? Why do they even have to think about it? They're trying to boost commerce while the Biden administration drags its feet on a post-Brexit deal between the UK and the United States. Trump was famously a champion of the pro-sovereignty Brexit movement, and he wanted to ink a really big trade deal with Britain. His anti-Brexit successor, Joe Biden, has reportedly said a British trade deal is not a priority for he and his administration. Let me get this straight. You know, they buy a lot of stuff over there. Yeah. And we buy a lot of stuff from them. Why would our president not want to do a trade deal with them that would be favorable to the American people? You know, isn't it a shame that every time something like this comes up and we ask that question that I just did, our default place to go is what's what's in it for Joe? <laughs> I mean, that's exactly where I am. In light of the 77-year-old Democrats' intransgendence, he has none, folks. He's not a thinker. Despite that, the British government having wasted its chance to strike a U.S.-wide deal before Trump left office by putting off the implementation of the vote for Brexit until 2021, they are now scrambling to come up with these deals with individual states. From York to New York, Birmingham and the Midlands to Birmingham, Alabama, we want to turbo boost UK and US businesses. That's from the Department of International Trade. It was printed in the Sun newspaper this morning. When you look at the numbers, the wins on offer by bagging trade agreements with individual states are massive. California's economy alone is larger than the economy of the whole of France. Currently, trade between Britain and California amounts to about 260 billion sterling silver, 260 billion per year, with Britain being the state's fifth largest export market as of 2019. Confirming the report, a spokesman for the DIT told the Times that the government will look to expand upon ties at both the federal and state level with America. In other words, let me tell you what's going on. They're not getting anything out of Washington. The UK's not. No, we want to sit down at the table and come up with a deal. None of that. So in a, in, in a very polite, politically acceptable way, they're saying, hey, we're going to continue to work with Washington but we're going we're gonna to work with individual states when Washington is doing nothing, nothing. But they are doing a lot. They're spending all kind of money, driving up our inflation numbers, driving our trade deficit. Now with the U.K., sky high, which means more interest, more upside-down dollars and cents for the American people and American business, and the U.K.'s knocking at the door Hey, we need to cut a deal. We want to get our trade 
platforms and partnerships back in place and operating at 100%. And Joe Biden's asleep at the wheel. Wow. Gosh, we're down to 20 minutes left in the day. Let's get right into COVID-19. As some of you who were here at the beginning of the show, my uh, absence and my problems last week, I confessed I took a COVID test and I tested positive. And based upon the, uh, uh, the stuff that's happening to me, my assumption is it's Omicron. There was nothing in this test that identified it as that. But I'm back in the saddle and doing well. Appreciate your prayers and support. I got tons of text and and uh, emails, and I appreciate that, but I'm doing well. Nevertheless, we need to keep our eyes on what's going on in the world around there. The CDC is now telling us you're going to love this. People with weakened immune systems are now, according to the CDC, advised to get four shots of a COVID-19 vaccine in a time period that may be as short as 140 days. Now, this updated recommendation from the CDC has people who are moderately or severely immunocompromised get a primary series of Moderna or Pfizer's vaccine and an additional dose as early as 28 days after the second dose. I'm not going to go into any of that, but just let me tell you what's missing. The obvious is missing. There's no facts. There's no explanation. There's no justification. No doctor is given any of the science that justifies this finding. Do you know what? Through this entire pandemic, that's exactly how the CDC has operated. They tell us what we've got to do and what we can't do. They never give us any of the science. It's like we're too stupid. You know, it it, it would be simple if they would just say this. Look, we're going to release a report today that this report you'll see in the findings, this report recommends that we take this, this action. Rather than do that, what they do, and it always starts at the top with either Fauci or Dr. Rochelle Zelensky, Walensky, I said Zelensky, Walensky, who's the head of the CDC. They tell us these things, and then they don't give us any science, no reports, no results. We can't get any information. Doctors, some of the best epidemiologists and virologists around the world, they can't get any of the scientific backing for the approval even of these vaccines initially, even for emergency use authorization, Pfizer or Moderna. And these big companies are going to court to keep from having to release any of those findings. Whistleblowers are stepping forward telling us none of this was based on science. Because if we saw the science, our FDA, our government would have never approved them. Meanwhile, people die. People get sick. Latest reports, the VAERS report, came out on Friday. 24,000 have died from the vaccines. 24,000. 130,000 in hospitals. 120,000 others. Urgent care. 4,080 miscarriages, 12,314 heart attacks, 33,600 cases of myocarditis, 
and pericarditis, and then we're told the real numbers that I just gave you, according to the CDC, are probably as much as 41 times that number. 41 times 24,000. That's how many people have died. And yet they won't give us any of the science. They just want us to continue to trust them. Don't get facts for yourself. Just listen to us. We're the purveyors of the truth. Hospitalizations among kids during the pandemic. Never heard anything about this. Oh, people are going to jail. We're uh, going to jail. Uh, going to hospitals and ICUs. Even our babies are getting really, really sick. Well, leaked out over the weekend. Hospitalization for kids from the very beginning to the end of the pandemic have gone down. Children up to the age of 17 years, a report split them into three groups of 0 to 4, 5 to 11, and 12 to 17. Compared with 2019, overall pediatric emergency department visits decreased by 51%, 22%, and 23% in those separate age groups during 2020, 2021, and January of this year, respectively. Now, wait a minute. Our kids aren't going to the hospital because of COVID now. But our kids are back in school. COVID spreading. The facts don't fit the narrative. And they don't want us to know about that. They want us to think that the narrative is all that matters. Symbolism over substance. Novel idea. Why don't we just demand and accept nothing less than substance? Like kind of those compadres of ours up north of the border. Those truckers were lashing out at the mandates for Canadians. But folks, these truckers aren't anti-vaxxers. Do you know that 80 plus percent of people, commercial truckers in Canada, are vaccinated. 80-something percent. They weren't protesting, so they didn't have to get vaccine uh, vaccines because most of them, a huge majority of them had. They're protesting a government forcing people, free people, to do things that they don't want to do. And as a government not having the authority legally to make it happen. That's called authoritarian rule. And these truckers in Canada, they don't want it. They don't want it to happen, just like a huge majority of Americans don't want it. That doesn't matter to the far left, people that are living in Washington, the bureaucrats and populating 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. They are the bosses. They're in charge Nobody else has a right to say no to them. They have all the power, all the authority. But the only power and authority they have is that which the American people gave to them and give to them. What the people give, the people can take away. You think? We don't tell you what to think. But we give you truth to think about. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. I'm a Verizon engineer. 
And today, we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for. Only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans as the claim-free three-peat. Get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Now for the legal something. Not available in every state. Only available with select farmers' branded policies subject to terms and conditions underwritten by Farmer's Truck or Fire Insurance Exchanges or Affiliate. Have you heard about Blank Slate yet? It's the best board game. In fact, Blank Slate has quickly become the new favorite with everybody around here. It's very simple. Unlike other games, no one gets embarrassed. Blank Slate is all about having fun, right? That's what we want. It's perfect for when you get the fam together or play with friends online because it's a game that everyone can get into. And if you need proof, just check out any of the hundreds of five-star reviews. It's basically selling out. So get Blank Slate now at Target, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you buy games. During the break, Davey, Daily Caller, Daily Caller, just released this. You're going to love this. The story we were just talking about. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, said that certain coronavirus vaccine data has not been published yet. You know why? The CDC says because it could potentially lead to misinformation. The CDC published some new data on the effectiveness of boosters in adults earlier this month, but they left out data for the 18 to 49-year-olds. That's according to a story that was published yesterday in the New York Times. Why? The CDC believes the data is not yet ready to be released because of potential misrepresentation, the New York Times reported. Basically, at the end of the day, it's not yet ready for prime time. That's according to spokeswoman Christian Nordland of the CDC. The agency's priority when gathering in data is to ensure that it's accurate and actionable. The CDC is also blaming outdated systems that are handling the large quantities of data. We want better, faster data that can lead to a decision-making and actions at all levels of public health that can help us eliminate the lag in data that has held us back. Now, guess what? What's the result of that? Do you think doctors around the nation are okay with, okay, we're just going to sit back. We've got people that uh, we think have this or have that, and uh, we don't have the CDC data to back it up, and they didn't give us any of the n- interpretations of it. So we're just going to sit here and watch these people flounder, and some of them die because we don't have information. No, doctors won't do that. Guess where they're getting their information? They're getting it from Israel. The CDC is the principal epidemiological agency in this country, and so you would like to think the data came from them. But some outside doctors say the data would help build public trust 
We've been begging for that sort of granularity of data for two years now. That's from epidemiologist for the former COVID tracking project, Jessica Malata-Rivera. A better analysis builds public trust, and it paints a much clearer picture of what's actually going on. We are at much greater risk of misinterpreting the data with data vacuums than sharing the data with proper science, communication, and caveats, she said. There you go. More of the same old, same old, which is hide, misrepresent. Let us tell you what everything means before giving you the ability to interpret it, you crazy, stupid virologist and epidemiologist that we understand you're probably much smarter than are we because you treat patients. We don't, but we're not going to give you what we know until we're ready to give you our version. Maybe our version is true. Maybe it's not, but that's what you're going to get from us. We're the experts. Have a great day, folks. We're back together. See you tomorrow morning at 9 sharp at TNN Live. Something in your eyes Makes me want to lose myself Makes me want to lose myself In your arms There's something in your voice Makes my heart beat fast Hope this feeling lasts The rest of my life If you knew How lonely my life has been And how low I felt so long If you knew How I wanted Someone to come along And change my life The way you've done Feels like home to me Feels like home to me Feels like I'm all the way back Where I come from Feels like home to me Feels like home to me Feels like I'm all the way back where I belong A window breaks Down a long dark street And a siren wails In the night But I Dark bears a light 
Feels like.